When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Hello and welcome to the Bet Your Sub Podcast. I'm Brian Russell Smith. I'm Amanda Duberman. And the Bet Your Sub Podcast is your bi-weekly rundown of all the crazy shit that's happened in the news explained by your two funniest friends. Which is us. Today we're talking about Queen Elizabeth. Fiona Hill. And Michael Bloomberg. Let's get into it. Betches Media presents. I like beer. I don't know if you do. Okay. Do you like beer, Senator, or not? Uh, my party is going bet crazy. Ah! You're the pop- it- Alternative facts. Oh, goodness. The Betches Sup Podcast. America! I realize that if we had not done Queen Elizabeth, we would have just been saying Queen Fiona Hill, and that would oh. be fine with me. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was like, the queen. We, queen Fiona, Fiona Hill. Hill. <laughs> I mean, we do stand a queen. She is British. She, she is British. So that She's works on black. multiple levels. Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving week. Oh, yeah. Everyone is kind of going crazy in the office because right. um, content never stops. Right. So right. you have to make content for more days when exactly. the days are off. So everyone's kind of like... Yeah, days off are more stressful. I'm sure for yeah. a lot of fields, you're just like, well, I have to get everything done that I would in five. And exactly. Two. So that's where we're all at. Yeah, but luckily for SEP, it's easy because we just do a lot of like, don't conservative family members just stuck. Yeah. <laughs> just suck. Yeah, it's, it's like... a lot of that. Well, this... So th- this week is actually really important for a lot of things you yeah. know like the democratic candidates and the impeachment hearings because you know that's it is, true it is this time where people go home they talk to their family they talk to their friends and the people who are more aware can convince other people of certain things yeah. and vice versa yeah um because i know that i i feel like i've done that in the past yeah. during these times yeah we'll have lots of content to assist in your yeah and your family re-education yeah maybe so, if you Thursday. guys yeah if you guys need some tips yeah yeah my mom's like my parents are Democrats, but they're not woke. Yeah. <laughs> they say stuff. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, Lord. Like, my boyfriend is Chinese. I have a Korean friend. Mike is the Korean one. Ellie is Japanese. Like, they cannot <laughs> get it right. But they feel strongly in, um, yeah. in, a, in a progressive tax. There you <laughs> go. So, yeah. Anyway, Brian, what is getting you through this short week? Um. Well, so... As we all know, the impeachment public testimonies have basically just wrapped up. Um, and there is one guy who has been in it a lot, which is minority leader on the council or the minority, the most important yeah, ranking member up. on the uh, the intelligence committee, Devin Nunes. Well, on Friday, this news came out. So the lawyer for Lev Parnas, who is the Giuliani associate who has recently indicted for campaign finance violations, um, told CNN that his client is willing to tell Congress under oath about meetings Devin Nunes had in Vienna last year with a former Ukrainian pos- prosecutor to discuss what? 
digging up dirt on Joe Biden. Lord. Which is basically the whole premise of yeah. this impeachment inquiry right. that ended. And then the next day, this news came no out. No wonder he was so familiar with these conspiracies. Yeah. So he met with them. It seems so alleged. These guys alleging that Nunes met with him, with the former prosecutor, mm-hmm. General Victor Shokin, right after the Democrats took back the House. Yeah. Um, mm. They met in Vienna, but it does not end there. Parnas, according to his lawyer, is also willing to testify to Congress that aides to Rep. Devin Nunes called off a trip to Ukraine this year. Mm. And the only reason they called off this trip is because they realized that they would have to notify Democratic Committee member, Chairman Adam Schiff. So the purpose of this trip that was then canceled was to talk to two former Ukrainian prosecutors who claimed to have evidence that could help reelect President Trump. So what is really crazy about this whole thing is that Devin Nunes has been spewing out conspiracy theories this entire impeachment, and also his entire Republican colleagues on the committee have been insisting, falsely insisting and alleging that Chairman Schiff had met with the whistleblower, that he was a fact witness in this case, and that it was not right for him to be the chairman of this committee, when the person sitting directly to his left had been participating in this fucking charade. And it's just so, it's kind of infuriating, but also like just so ridiculous and funny. He told Breitbart that these were demonstrably false. Yeah. But, you know, of course he would. He wouldn't respond to like he wouldn't directly answer any other further accusations about it um on fox which basically does wow not, that's not good does not that does not look good for him no it seems like that the house that he may face an ethics probe from the house because of this um and so they're so they asked adam schiff on uh face the nation whether or not they planned to ask lev parnas to testify um but they said that Schiff said that, he, that he, the committee wants to review the documents he produces first um, to see if it's worth it. Yeah. Um, the reason that this is crazy is because so Lev Parnas and his associate, I forget his name. Igor Fruman. Um, they were indicted because they had been funneling foreign money into like Republican races, including President Trump's. And when they got indicted, President Trump was like, I don't know who these people are. I'm not affiliated with them. I'm not associated with them at all. So, which has happened, this has happened in the past. This happened with Michael Cohen, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it's happening with Gordon Sondland. Gone, it's like, this. once you say you, you don't remember these people are, they get pissed. They're like, okay, well then fuck you then. Totally. So now Liv Parnas is like, okay, well, fuck you, Donald Trump. Yeah. I'm going to spill the tea. Yeah. So it's just like, not a really great move on his part, yeah. but it seems like Devin Nunes cow might be uh yeah getting some trouble this this b plot just keeps getting better and better i feel yeah. like this is just gonna be it's gonna take over the next season i think yeah <laughs> yeah no i was thinking exactly what you said when the like for weeks they were like you met with the whistleblower you've been having meetings that you haven't been telling us about and he's mm-hmm. like first of all that's not true i take adam mm-hmm. Schiff's word for it it mm-hmm. seems like he knows better than to lie about that yeah but then the whole time they were messing around talking to ukrainians it's my favorite my favorite thing about that whole those whole hearings was Adam Schiff and yeah. his closing statements every day were amazing. They were. But also just his ability just to sit there and stare ahead and not 
react to things. I know. <laughs> like he like I wonder what he was thinking about if he was just like he must have been paying attention obviously but like there must have been he must have had some sort of trick because he totally. literally just like dissociated. Yes, especially <laughs> because like what he did at the very beginning when he read out Trump's phone call as a parody mm-hmm. that was pretty bad like he really should not have done that. Yeah. And I think he learned his lesson. He was like I have no grace. I have no wiggle room. Like I need to be perfect yeah, he I was not he didn't get away with the first one like he mm-hmm. was republicans are still talking about it but yeah i feel like he knew he was like well that was it that was my one strike i can't yeah. i can't mess up at all and i thought he, yeah it was awesome to watch um amanda what is getting you through this week in Trump's getting America? me through the week is getting me through well luckily the brits are getting me through this yeah. week in america and it's not am, just binging the crown no 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 but i did just start the crown i know i know i know <laughs> i'm really into it but honestly i'm like i'm delighted that i have all this like beautiful content ahead yeah that's of me. great um, and it makes me absolutely giddy about any positive news about the queen who has canceled her son, Prince Andrew's birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> this 90 year old, 90 yeah. odd year old woman. She called Chuck E. Cheese and she was like, we ain't coming. <laughs> this is sort of part of the fallout from his like uh, unbelievably bad interview on BBC a couple weeks ago at this point, maybe a week ago where mm-hmm. he just showed very little contrition for being friends with Jeff Epstein and being, uh, likely having, um, assaulted a young woman at the mm-hmm. time. Um, so I think I'm pretty sure so she also took away his allowance <laughs> last week, I think, like by stepping down. So I think he was asked to step down from mm-hmm. his royal duties. Like, yeah. I don't think it was really his choice. He made about 250 euro a year doing that. And then about 20,000 euro, 250,000 euro a year and about 20,000 from his Royal Navy pension. But he has a much more extravagant lifestyle. So I'm not really sure where this wealth is coming from. Interestingly, similar to yeah. his old friend, Jeff Epstein. Yeah. So, yeah, there was going to be like a big elaborate 60th birthday party for him. Apparently, Prince Charles had a similar one um, that she has canceled. Um, doesn't want to make a big thing of it. Oh, there were going to be a lot of charities there and a lot of charities have disassociated with him. And if you didn't catch the interview, yeah, basically he just like didn't seem sorry at all. He denied the allegations against Virginia Roberts saying that um, they she had alleged that um, they were dancing in a club together at mm-hmm. a house. And he was she he was like the the journalist asked him, like, why do you think that's wrong? And he was like, well, cause she said I was sweating and I, I used to have a problem where I didn't sweat, but I. I don't have that problem. It was so bizarre. He said he couldn't sweat. He was like, it was like a, it was like a PTSD yes, thing. He right, said, right, right. Oh, right, right. He said it like Jeff Epstein was unbecoming. Just like did not denounce. He said the friendship was convenient. Um, yeah, even though he had already been charged yeah. and settled that he was yes. a pedophile. Right. Oh, completely. I mean, it's just like it's just shocking to see terrible behavior actually be punished and people and things taken away from people i mean prince andrew will have a very comfortable life he will be fine yeah i mean that that's the issue like with these royals yeah in general is like you know the one former king who like the uh, queen elizabeth's uncle yeah was a nazi sympathizer he met with hitler yeah (laughs) during world war ii and he like plotted to like become king and make england nazi germany but uh, and then he just lived out the rest of his life in America, like right. fucking gol- Holly lightly. And then yeah. uh, now this like <laughs> Prince Andrew yeah. is probably not gonna. He, he probably could go to jail or be. I don't. I don't. I mean, yeah. He, I don't even know what the statute I th- limitations are. I think. Are, I think she's like, mainly sort of stewing him. They're going back and forth with like defamation and stuff because you know by claiming that she's lying, she's like. You can't claim that I'm lying. You mm. did do this to me. So I'm not sure if they're really litigating the actual assault anymore. Um, but you know who's probably loving this? <laughs> Meghan Markle. Yeah. She's like, no one's paying attention to me. Uh-huh. I can live my life. Yeah. 
I mean, and probably Prince William because, yeah. you know, oh, right. he has a whole scandal brewing over there that no one's talking about, too. Yeah. I mean, they are so interesting. They are. They're like, it's like weird that they get paid to just like be, who, their, they are, be yeah. who they are. But like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I know there were still pictures of Prince Andrew and his mom riding horses together over the weekend. So they're fine. I mean, yeah. <laughs> she rides horses still? Yeah. It was a, like a really tiny horse. But yeah, it's like. <laughs> it was two men in a costume. Right. <laughs> Which is funny because it's like, I feel like they feel strongly about her where it's like here, if like RBG wanted to get on a horse, I would be like, no. Yeah, I know. Bitch. No, you cannot. No. Not if there's, there's you like eight people around you. On the carousel. <laughs> Even Ruth. that is fucking dicey. Yeah. I don't want her anywhere near that. If you didn't hear, RBG was in the hospital for the weekend for fevers and chills. She is fine. Mm-hmm. I hope that she just goes like when she gets a little bit sick, she's like. Yeah. This could be it, so I'm yeah. going to go. Someone was sure. saying, like, yeah, RBG, hold on, but shouldn't we talk about the fact that she probably should have stepped down while Obama was still president? Yeah, I was like, fair. I never thought about that, I know. but maybe she should have. <laughs> yeah. Anywho, is all. All right, we're going to move on to the main news. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't believe these hearings are over. I know. It's what crazy. a week that was. It was nuts. Yeah. I'm still tired. Yes. It was also, like, one of those things where, it like, it kind of hurt my head. Yeah. After a while, like paying that much attention. Yeah. And it's it's the same process every mm-hmm. day. And I mean, I started to n- sense like by the end, it sort of started to feel like as lo- like the opening statements were the most important things. And then the yeah. rest was just sort of like a circus. And then, you know, Democrats trying to get them to say certain things that they had really already said. Just yeah. To, like, Although Fiona Hill had a couple like blockbuster moments. Yes. Um, so, yeah. At the end of last week. Um, so before we cover what's next, we'll briefly walk through the final days of scheduled testimony. So on fr- on Thursday, excuse me, heard from Fiona Hill. It was Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. Who was Trump's top advisor to Europe and Russia, whose boss is National Security Advisor John Bolton. We also heard from David Holmes, a U.S. official who was based in Kiev, as we all know how to say it now. <laughs> yeah. Um, who overheard Gordon Sunland on the phone with Donald Trump discussing investigations into the Biden. That was the one where he says he loves your ass. Right. Yeah, exactly. So when that... When that headline came out, yeah, I was so confused because I thought like maybe because the the president of Ukraine is a comedian, I oh, thought yeah. maybe he was making a joke about Donald Trump's gigantic ass, <laughs> like oh he loves your ass. <laughs> so I was putting the I, I was putting the emphasis on yeah. ass, right? But then it was like no, like he just he loves your ass, like right. yeah, we were like, saying he that loves too, you, like he loves you guy. Yeah, we were saying that last time where it's like I thought they just misspelled ask, so everyone kept <laughs> saying everyone was saying loves your ask in very humorous ways <laughs> or loves your ass, yeah. Um, so Fiona Hill, I mean, she definitely seemed to be like the hero. We got to hear from a lot of very competent, wonky, badass women. Mm-hmm. Um, but she she just sort of had like a swagger about her um, and sort of definitely felt like a hero of, of these public hearings. Mm-hmm. So she generally testified. I mean, these testimonies can get repetitive to talk about because they're all just sort of confirming each other and then adding sort of details that are unique to to the person. Um, so she testified that she she testified to s- defying White House orders, basically, because mm-hmm. she still does work there. Or I'm sorry. No, she doesn't. Um, but she was still asked not to go. Um, she said she felt it was her moral obligation to do so. She spoke like really powerfully, too, about attacks on um, Colonel Vindman as well, because she's an immigrant. She's from the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, she just seemed like a lot looser than the rest of them. Yeah, um, definitely not partisan in any way. She even like expressed sort of shock that like she was like if, if you tried to tell my parents that you think I'm favoring the left they would laugh at that yeah um, 
you know, the day of her testimony, this anecdote cir- circulated that like when she was 11, a boy in class set her hair on fire and she like snuffed it out with her hands. Yeah. Um, and she talked about that. But she directed most of her opening statement at the conspiracy theories that tried to minimize Russia's role in 2016 election meddling. That's what's something that really bothered me about, um, you know, the Republican talking points about like attacking the immigrant witnesses is like a the entire country is basically immigrants or first generation or of some kind. So this idea of dual loyalty, dual loyalty, it really is scary to think about because it's like, that's like a step towards the fucking handmaid's tale, like, or something. I don't know because it's like, just because so-and-so like like, he came here when he was five, you think that maybe he would rather be in Ukraine. Like he's not an American citizen. And the fact that like they were able to just like say all that with straight faces and no one is like truly, truly reprimanding them like they're not facing is really frightening. Yeah. Like I think that's something that like you can talk about with people who aren't necessarily on board with impeachment. And it's like, well, their defense is to discredit the people who've devoted their lives to this country. And I mean, the people that come to this country and like achieve what they have. I mean, honestly, like they they know so much more about what it means to like be an American uh-huh. and how valuable it is. I mean, Fiona Hill talked about, you know, we've all been saying how much we love her voice. She has a, a very cool accent. You'll hear it in a second. And she said at one point, she was like, you know, my accent, you know, I came here in the 80s just to build my career. My accent in the UK very clearly signals a working class background mm-hmm. and it would it would inhibit opportunities I had, whereas here nobody knows. So I was able to like, you know, achieve even more. And like that factors that she was like, she was like, it's just ridiculous to th- like, I work for this country. I take the vow. Like we make people that we to become naturalized citizens, like learn so much more about this country and mm-hmm. what it has to offer than a lot of people that just are raised here take for granted. No, no. And they would, they also appreciate the idea of like, like, you know, they appreciate what America has to offer in terms of like, you know, being able to testify in yes. Congress. Right. So. right. They know. I mean, she said it was her moral obligation to appear because like mm-hmm. a lot, a lot of other witnesses, like they know, they they have exposure to societies where in political systems where it's not possible mm-hmm. and they know what it looks like. And she sort of spent a lot of her testimony saying um, directed most of her opening statement at conspiracy theories that do minimize Russia's role um, somewhere where you can't really speak out in the 2016 election. Um, so she called the idea that Ukraine interfered a dangerous fictional narrative. We'll play that clip now. Based on questions and statements I've heard, some of you on this committee appear to believe that Russia and its security services did not conduct a campaign against our country, and that perhaps, somehow, for some reason, Ukraine did. This is a fictional narrative that has been perpetrated and propagated by the Russian security services themselves. The unfortunate truth is that Russia was the foreign power that systematically attacked our democratic institutions in 2016. This is the public conclusion of our intelligence agencies, confirmed in bipartisan congressional reports. It is beyond dispute, even if some of the underlying details must remain classified. In the course of this investigation, I would ask that you please not promote politically driven falsehoods that so clearly advance Russian interests. As Republicans and Democrats have agreed for decades, Ukraine is a valued partner of the United States, and it plays an important role in our national security. And as I told the committee last month, I refuse to be part of an effort to legitimize an alternate narrative that the Ukrainian government is a U.S. adversary and that Ukraine, not Russia, attacked us in 2016. These fictions are harmful, even if they're deployed for purely domestic political purposes. Yeah. It seemed like then Republicans, like, who probably had questions, like, that, like, I think at one point, three 
Republican, and I believe they were all congressmen, did their questioning without asking a single question. And that's mm. when she had that moment where she was like, can I actually chime in here? Yeah. In like kind of a, a heroic way. Yeah. And then Sean Patrick Miller was like, I'm sorry, you're being mansplained. Literally, like this is her expertise. She's the top Russia expert assigned mm-hmm. detail to the White House. And they're still shouting at her yeah. about why she's wrong. Everyone was saying that like, if you had to go to one person to talk to about this, you would want to talk to Dr. Yeah. Fiona Hill. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's scary because, you know, our all of our intelligence services have said this, you know, the CIA, the FBI, the um, NSC, or what's the, um, what's the one that Edward Snowden worked at? <laughs> uh, NSA. <laughs> NSA. They, and, like, all other foreign intelligence communities of our allies all are in consensus that it was... Russia. I think after Thursday's testimony, there was that other story where that it came out that the intelligence committee had briefed Republican senators or all senators mm-hmm. on this exact thing that like the Republican senators that is not a credible line there. They yeah, they're even their intelligence committee. Yeah. Have concluded that Russia interfered and, in yeah. our 2016 election. And they sort election. of were trying to like, like clap back at her like nobody is saying that Russia didn't. We're just saying that maybe Ukraine also did. But that is a, and she said this, and I don't even think I fully appreciate this before. Like, Russia wants you to think that this this came yes. from them. Like, mm-hmm. they invented this idea for you to do exactly what you are doing right this second. This is a, this is a Russian operation yeah. to try and blame Ukraine for their election meddling because why they're fucking at war with Ukraine. Right. They want, they want, they think Ukraine is Russia. Yeah. And they don't want us to thrive either. No. Yeah. And so they like when we have, you know, Senator Kenny from Louisiana, the fucking Republican senator going on these talk shows over the weekend, still saying this. It's terrifying. It is terrifying. And he's like, but, you know, everyone is disputing that and saying it's, it was Russia. He's like, but it could have also been Ukraine. It's like, yeah. no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. Yeah. And fun fact about him. He used to be a Democrat. Yeah, that's and why I did not know that. Until he today. he was like he's the guy who went on, on like the Trump uh, rally the other day yeah. and said like he's like I'm a deplorable. It's like right. sure you went to Vanderbilt yeah. and <laughs> re- graduated from Oxford, right? <laughs> like go fuck yourself, right? Right, totally. Yeah. Um, she also so Fiona Hill also explained she confirmed everything everybody said and sort of painted a more precise picture of these two channels. What we started to learn about after Gordon Sondland's testimony, like you said, he also Trump was like I don't know him. Gordon Sondland really rejected the idea that he was operating in an irregular rogue channel because he was like, no, I wasn't. All the all y'all were with me. This was the main channel mm-hmm. and sort of showed all of these emails of him looping in everybody. And she so Sondland made a point in an earlier testimony to describe her as angry. And she did. We have this clip. You've seen this clip a lot, but she sort of she was like, I was angry, but she was sort of like. She's like, I was angry, but it's weird that he made a point to like, this is why I was angry. I was legitimately angry. And she also sort of had like her answers to those sort of through shade. Like Gordon was right. He thought that he was in the official channel because she's sort of like, like, I feel like she was sort of like, oh, honey. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, like this is actually my job. They're just sort of shoving you into it because they know they can manipulate you. Yeah. Um, So useful idiot. Yeah, exactly. So she sort of really painted a clearer picture of how Sondland and his efforts, along with the three amigos, were sort of interacting with hers and how she came to realize something weird was going on. But it struck me one yesterday when you put up on the screen Ambassador Sondland's emails and who was on these emails, and he said, these are the people who need to know that he was absolutely right because he was being involved in a domestic political errand. And we were being involved in national security foreign policy 
and those two things had just diverged. So he was correct, and I had not put my finger on the, at that at the moment, but I was irritated with him and angry with him that he wasn't fully coordinating. And I did say to him, Ambassador Sondland, Gordon, I think this is all going to blow up, and here we are. Yeah. That was definitely sort of like the takeaway moment, domestic political errand, and I knew this was going to blow up, and here we are. Yep. And now, and now it seems Republicans are really just harping on this idea that, you know, the, aid, the, the meeting, you know, they, they, got the, they got the aid. The meeting still never happened, and he never announced investigations. However, that's what they say. He's like, so it never happened. Like, they, 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 didn't, they didn't succeed. Whole, this, that's the only defense they have left is that they he didn't, didn't get succeed, caught. They didn't succeed, so who cares? And that's what it was with Mueller, too. And, but the thing is, you know, they only fessed up to what was happening and once the whistle once yes. once the inspector general in, informed the house right that there was a whistleblower complaint right. it was released two days later because they got caught that's nothing why changed. It, yeah. nothing happened nothing changed yeah so it's just like okay now what you yeah. know so now what right and david holmes also went and he sort of echoed everything that career diplomats had said that there was clearly he sort of was like there was clear clearly the aid was dependent on it like yeah that's my inference but it's very, of course it was. And he was shouted at a lot by like Jim Jordan and others about how wrong he was. And, you know, he, he was in a difficult, I mean, imagine if you had to go and testify under oath about, you know, a phone call that you overheard. Mm-hmm. He, he, you know, clearly that he remembers Trump, he hearing Trump talk about investigations. Yeah. That's obviously the most memorable part of that call. Yeah. And so I remember John Ratcliffe was, honestly, I think this will be an effective line of questioning for Trump supporters was sort of pushing him like, well, what do you say right after that? What do you say right before that? And Holmes sort of was like something like this. And he was like, well, how do you remember that specific part, but not the rest of it? Yeah. Sort of like it was as if it's like a criminal thing. And I I don't even think David Holmes said like, well, I remember that because it was really remarkable. He was just like, I don't know. I just remember this part. Mm -hmm. But I I remember feeling weird when he was doing that line of questioning because I feel like that will be effective for people that don't want to believe him. Well, the next day on Friday, um, the president called into Fox oh and God. Friends and ranted for 53 minutes and where he insisted he did not scream into the phone. Right, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I didn't scream. And it's like, sir, you're screaming. I know. Please stop. <laughs> like He's like, I don't scream on the phone. I know. I know. There you it's are. It's wild. Yeah, that was a whole shit show. Yeah. Apparently now, um, he's he doesn't like to work in the Oval Office and instead work in a private residence because... Uh, he doesn't trust people. Maybe because he talks too loud or maybe because... That's what you want. <laughs> he had a health scare. Right, right. He has to be every, every. I mean, it seems like everywhere he is, he's still with his physician. He said that he like... He just called that fake disgusting news on mm-hmm. Fox, I think. Yeah. It's funny that like for him, it's a health scare. But for us, it's like a health... Like, please. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. Like, whatever right. the opposite of scare is. Right. It's just comfort. funny to think about like when Bernie Sanders had his heart attack, like he got shit for not saying it was a heart attack immediately. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But it's like we don't even have. I said this is like the whole point of the West Wing. Yeah. This guy, we have no idea what happened. Yeah. He, or, or, excuse me, we do. It was phase one of his physical. So yeah. what's next? <laughs> We've sort of like discussed what's next. I feel like a couple of times, mm-hmm. but the House will decide. So what's definitely going to happen is that the House, particularly the Judiciary Committee, um, intelligence handled all of the hearings will draw up article of impeachment they'll discuss them they'll vote on them doesn't look like they are going to wait for the courts to decide if witnesses such as Mick Mulvaney and John Bolton will testify John Bolton is just going to put it in his two million dollar book deal it seems like mm-hmm. um, although John Bolton was getting a little salty on Friday about I guess the White House like deactivated his Twitter account or something and he just got it back yeah um, doesn't look like they're going to wait on that 
Although it is a possibility that those guys could be compelled during the Senate trial. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam Schiff, again, on Face the Nation, was saying that, like, so Chief Justice John Roberts oversees the Senate trial, and he could theoretically compel John Bolton Milk Mulvaney, which would probably be more effective than, yeah. like, trying to work this out. Because then it would go like, through the courts, and yeah, it would take a long time. It seems like that could be a more, a more expedient way to get them to show. I've been hearing more appetite for that, especially after this. Like, John Bolton's lawyer says that there's a lot more. That, it's weird because he's like, there's a lot that John knows. Don't mm-hmm. you want him? And we're like, yes. <laughs> yes, we've been begging you. Yeah. But they're not going to do it. So, I mean, House Democrats want to be finished with an impeachment vote by Christmas, sending articles of impeachment to the Republican-controlled Senate. The articles of impeachment will involve everything we've heard about the past week. And then also probably one regarding obstruction of justice because he's refused to give anything over. Maybe the witness intimidation that he did with Marie Yovanovitch. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe things left over from Mueller, although mm-hmm. I doubt Nancy Pelosi would let those in. We'll see. Maybe as part of like a bigger obstruction article. Um, but now Trump is signaled that he wants to go into trial like into next year, which Republicans have had have done nothing but make fools of themselves to like drive themselves farther up his ass and defend him it seems that there's nothing they won't do or say so it's like why not why wouldn't he want them to keep doing that for months leading up to an election where all we're doing is basically free campaigning in the yeah. capital of all these senators explaining why he's like the best ever and it would be basically the same information we've already heard although republicans want joe and hunter biden to come um yeah yeah the white house white house officials met thursday with republican senators like Mitt Romney and Susan Collins and people that are sort of seen as on the fence to sort of discuss what could happen next. It seems like it could possibly be like two weeks, but we'll see. Exciting. I know. More more all day TV. And then it'll be the February caucuses. Yeah. February primary, whatever. Should we move on? Yeah, this is a weird story. Yeah. So Trump is currently feuding with the military. Well, I guess they're fine now. Yeah. But, you know, you can add it to the list yeah. of, like, the media and the FBI and yeah. the judiciary. <laughs> um, earlier today, President Trump ordered the Pentagon not to remove a Navy SEAL at the center of a high-profile war crimes case from elite commando unit. Um, so, yeah, this guy Gallagher. He was, Eddie Gallagher. Eddie Gallagher. Sorry. He was court-martialed after being accused of firing a sniper rifle at a little girl walking along a river, firing a sniper rifle at an old man carrying a water jug. And stabbing a teenage ICE member in the neck while he was receiving medical care and then posing for photos with the body. Yeah, those are um, war crimes. Those are war crimes. You know. He pe- also threatened to kill Navy SEALs that reported him. Mm-hmm. Like, so that was like witness intimidation. Yeah. Um, he was acquitted of all charges except one posing for an inappropriate photograph, which was that. And he was demoted. What's crazy is that his like, his, I don't know what these words, it's, it's not co-workers, but whatever. Yeah. Co-worker in military term. They, like, testified that they would, like, mess with his rifle because they were scared he would shoot people. Yeah. People and, like, didn't want him they, around. He yeah. does not stand for good or- discipline and good order. Yeah. So President Trump then reversed that demotion, causing an argument between himself and Navy Secretary Richard Spencer, ending in Spencer being asked for his recognition after publicly disagreeing with Trump. Yeah. So this Spencer guy, this has sort of been, like, roiling in the background for a while. Like, mm-hmm. Trump got this idea from a, I, I, the name is failing me, but, but a veteran and a Fox News contributor or host who speaks about this a lot. And there is um, a pretty enthusiastic part of Trump's base, of that base that is like very for stuff like this, for yeah. exonerating, like don't let our, we don't want our military to feel um, handicapped by our <laughs> rules of law and, you know, regarding humans as people. Um but the Navy, it seems like, 
we need to make an example out of this person. This is mm-hmm. not good behavior. It is our job to, and he's in the Navy SEALs, which is like the most elite unit. So this guy, Richard Spencer, it seems like what was going on behind the scenes, Trump was like tweeting things. And there he was like tweeting that he didn't want. He wanted Gallagher to be able to keep his Trident pin, which you get from being in one of these elite. Don't take forces. away his pin. <laughs> Don't take my pin. Please. Yeah. And um, I guess one of the options was to be able to reject, basically just like either return or basically not have disciplinary action against him. This mm-hmm. guy, Richard Spencer, felt that he should be further disciplined um, within the army and have hearings beyond this court martial. Yeah. But apparently behind the scenes, so Spencer publicly was saying that if Trump keeps intervening in what the military wants to do, I keep saying military and I hope that's correct. This is the Navy. If, if Trump kept intervening in what they wanted to do, that he would resign. Mm-hmm. But apparently, behind the scenes, he was working with White House officials, doesn't seem like directly with Trump, to come up with some sort of deal that um, Gallagher would retire as a member of the elite forces. He just would retire. He couldn't return to active duty as long as President Trump stayed out of the case. Defense Secretary Mark Esper got wind of that and then basically said that, you know, finding out that Spencer had different. So privately was saying, all right, if Trump gets out of this, we'll let him just retire. Publicly was saying, no, I want this guy to go through hearings and mm-hmm. like make an example out of him. Um, basically, Esper was like, well, we can't be having that. You can't. It's funny because it was basically the statement was like, you can't have two different channels of how you're going to enforce this. It was interesting. Yeah. Um, was like, we can't have you doing that. So he basically forced his uh, resignation. Um, which she was probably going to resign anyway. It just seems like, honestly, I don't know what the real story is. It seems like nobody does. Yeah. I don't know why Spencer was trying to work out this deal behind the scenes when formally, because Trump, I think yesterday, Trump has been tweeting like he will be restored to whatever he wants, but yeah. they weren't taking tweets as order. However, this morning he did order the Pentagon after that resignation um, not to remove a Navy SEAL. And I'll read a little bit. Like, like I said, we don't really know. I don't really know what Spencer was up to, but he wrote in his resignation letter, the lives of our sailors, Marines, and civilian teammates quite literally depend on the professional execution of our many missions, and they also depend on the ongoing faith and support of the people we serve and allies we serve alongside. Unfortunately, it has become apparent that in this respect, I no longer share the same understanding with the commander-in-chief who appointed me in regards to the key principle of good order and discipline. I cannot in good conscience obey an order that I believe, that I believe violates the sacred oath I took. So it seems yeah. like in that, he's taking issue with not moving forward to discipline it's, Gallagher. It's very important for us to, you know, weed out these like, you know, bad apples who commit war crimes from our military because yeah. it takes away our, um, you know, our moral authority, like yes. not that we really have much. I mean, come yeah. on. But you know what I mean? It gives propaganda to terrorist groups like ISS Absolutely. to be like, look, this guy he just shot a, shot a girl and shot an old man and stabs a, a wounded ISIS soldier and then posed with pictures of the body and he's still right. a Navy SEAL. So like just to recruit more members. Yeah. So it's, it's no true. bueno. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. 
Whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of the things I like to buy on Etsy have little dachshunds on them or are for dachshunds. Dottie's got a whole litany of new sweaters and harnesses and all kinds of fun stuff that we get lots of compliments on when we're out on walks. A gifting moment is always just around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. We all know your hair and skin can sway your mood and impact your day in ways you can't underestimate. Sometimes what starts as a bad hair day quickly turns into a bad everything else day. I'd never found beauty products that really understood my needs, but ever since I switched to custom hair and skin routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits healthier hair and skin. Yes, but beyond that too. Since I started using pros, I've noticed consistently healthy hair. Even with all I put it through with the heat tools and the hairsprays to get this pompadour sky high, it smells great. It looks fancy on the shelf. And I like that it has my name right on it. This formula is made for V. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. From millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely yours or mine. And Pros isn't just better for you. It's better for the planet. They're a certified B Corp, cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool, which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription at pros.com slash feverdream. So get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash feverdream. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash feverdream. We all dread the what should we have for dinner question. I mean, I know I do. I love a home-cooked meal, but I don't always have the time, energy, or groceries to make it happen. Being able to feast on a delicious meal without the long prep and cook times is what drew me to Home Chef over the other guys. Home Chef's meals are effortless, so I can spend less time trying to be Top Chef and more time watching it. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week and serves a variety of dietary needs, so you never have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. For a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and of course, free shipping on your first box. Just go to homechef.com slash feverdream. That's homechef.com slash feverdream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard that right. Homechef.com slash feverdream must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going. But there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. 
That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S dot com. Okay, we'll move on to election section. The election section. Former New York Mayor Mike Bloomberg, one of the world's richest people, announced his bid for the Democratic presidential nomination Sunday by promising to rebuild America and defeat President Trump. Welcome. Welcome. I mean, you know... It's like when you invite too many people to a party yeah. and then like all the people RSVP and you're like, wait, God, no, I, I didn't know. think, I, yeah. be busy. Right, right, right. And the person then you're like, well, my rich friend is coming. They'll bring something nice. And yeah. they like, they just don't. They yeah. come up with like, just like solo cups and bagel bites. Yeah. So he's not taking any corporate donor, I mean, any donors at all. Yeah. So he'll actually never be on a debate stage because one of the requirements is to have an, a certain amount of donors. His, yeah. He's already spending $30 million on ads. Um, Just to be like, hey, I'm here. Yeah, basically. Remember and at one point Joe Biden's campaign only had $9 million? Yeah. He just spent, he just dropped. No, hey, oh, I'm so worried that Joe Biden can't win. Let me spend a billion dollars to get myself elected. I know. Uh, he's basically trying to skip the competitive early states like Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, Nevada, and just go for Super Tuesday, which is in March. Which has never been really done before. So, like, who knows yeah, how this... Yeah, I mean, usually the early races sort of signal who it might be. Yeah. Um, he wrote on his website, I believe my u- unique set of experiences in business, government, and philanthropy will enable me to win and lead. As a candidate, I'll rally a broad and diverse coalition of Americans to win. And as president, I have the skills to fix what is broken in our great nation. And there is a lot broken. So does everybody else running. This is what I don't like about this, is that we have the most... Diverse slate of candidates ever. A lot of them are the top, at one point, like the top six were polling ahead of Trump. It's still now, I think, down to Buttigieg polls ahead of Trump. Mm -hmm. Most diverse, most women, most people of color. And then these guys. I know. Are like. "Mm, Tom Steyer and Michael Bloomberg. I think I'd be better. Yeah. And just spending all of their own money. I mean, it is. It's like a lot of people are like, well, why, why do we, why do you. Why do people say that like money in politics harms democracy? Because democracy is like is people understanding the facts and understanding correct things that are happening and making choices based on that. And when you have a disproportionate, you can alter, you basically can change, even if you can't change facts, you can change their, how they rank and what people are exposed to. So if you have millions and billions of your own money to spend on ads, ingratiating yourself to people and like someone like Kamala Harris who is struggling in the polls Mm -hmm. doesn't. Yeah, obviously you're gonna like that's not democracy. You're not getting all the, you're not getting all of the information. Well, he's spending all this money to he's spending a hundred million dollars on an ad campaign to criticize Trump in the key battleground states and fifteen million dollars uh, voter registration effort in those same places, which is I feel like a great use of his money. Right. Maybe keep doing that. Yeah, he he like infused millions and millions into the into like I think specifically with every town in Virginia to help them take their legislature yeah that was great that worked and he's ra- he's spending more money than anyone's even raised the top fundraiser is bernie sanders who said about his about michael bloomberg's entrance that i'm disgusted by the idea that michael bloomberg or any other billionaire thinks they can circumvent the political process and spend tens of millions of dollars to buy our elections it's just the latest example of a rigged political system that we are going to change when we're in the white house Bernie Sanders, who has also been going up in the polls. Yeah. He recently is tied for Joe Biden nationally. And I think he is second on real clear politics right now. Yeah. Surpassing Elizabeth Warren. Yeah. This um, is very frustrating. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. I mean, at this point in 2008, he, he 2007. Could, Bloomberg could be personally responsible for helping a Democrat win. It doesn't have to be him. Mm-hmm. 
he money works yeah like as much as i agree with bernie like it just does yeah we need we need effective solutions right now uh one more thing yeah one more thing so there's a big election in hong kong recently the voters in hong kong uh, pro-democracy candidates won 389 of the 452 seats up for election. Um, that's more than they've ever won before, and they flipped more than half of those 452 seats um, from pro-Beijing to pro-democracy candidates. Obviously, the protests that have waged for coming on six months now um, are a big part of that. A lot of the people that were elected had sort of made headlines as because of their roles in the protests and what had happened to them. Um, this was the first time that every seat in a district council election had candidates from at least two opposing parties, uh, which is big there because there's so much um, influence from Beijing. It set a record for turnout with four million registered vote outs. And yeah, a lot of candidates who were protesters won and sort of leveraged that experience, which and the fact that they won suggests that yeah. people are on the side of the protesters. Mm-hmm. It's not just like how the government sort of spins it, which is like these menaces, these protesters. Yeah. It seems like that is that I is the popular sentiment. Beijing is going to really have to reevaluate their process on this because yeah. it's clear it's clear that there's a big force for democracy there. Yeah. And they're kind of scared because it's not as easy well, now. Well, they're right. When they let democracy happen, it, it doesn't really... People don't favor their... People don't want to be put back in a cage. Right. You know right. what I mean? It's Imagine like, that. You can't crate train your puppy right. for three years. I have a puppy. That's why I'm using yeah. this analogy. <laughs> I knew you were For going. like six months and then not use it for 50 years yeah. <laughs> in this right, case. Right, right. Yeah, that's true. And then try and put it back in the crate and be like, no, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, yeah. Anyways, great. Amanda, you have a great interview coming up. Yes, yes. I'll be here with Jen Winston. She's a writer and creative strategist who runs um, a popular like feminist social justice account. So it's a really great um, pre-Thanksgiving. It'll actually come out on Thanksgiving to sort of talk about like how to discuss things with people in your life who are a little bit hostile to new information, new perspectives that sort of challenge how they have understood things and people who don't yeah. mean to be offensive. I will definitely yeah. be listening to Yeah, that. how to sort of help your family be more woke without calling it woke and mm-hmm. understanding. She said something really interesting and we talk about this a lot in the interview where, you know, when you're talking to somebody about something they've always done or understood, it's like trying to tell them something that's blue is actually red yeah. and they can be very, very resistant to that and so to like look at it from their point of view and try to educate them in in, an empathetic way and just how to sort of navigate those tensions with people in your life who you do want to continue to be in your life. Mm -hmm. There are definitely people that are sort of like, well, this is non-negotiable for me and if you can't turn on that, but it doesn't have to be that way. And so we sort of talk about like approaches to having those conversations and also being very aware of our own privilege when we are doing it. So that's what Jen Winston. That sounds awesome. Yeah. That'll be out on Thursday. Okay, well, remember, as always, to rate, review, and subscribe. It gets us great interviews like Thank the one you're going to hear on Thursday um, and really broadens our reach. Um, a lot of people enjoy listening on Spotify, too. Make sure you listen to our Betch Up newsletter. Elise writes it. It's really hilarious. It's how so I get a lot of my news as well. Okay, so uh, until the end of Democracy, I'm Brian Russell Smith. I'm Amanda Duberman. And this has been the Betch Up Podcast. Batches.